Hello and welcome back to Real Time Strategy, a podcast all about the gaming industry. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Mosier, joined this week by fellow Triple Pointers Alex Evans and Paul Lombardo. It's October, also known as Spooky Season, so you know what that means. It's time to talk about horror games. This is going to be a fun episode. Uh, Paul, Alex, myself, whole, all of Triple Point uh, just got back from a really fun uh, weekend retreat. Um, but Caitlin, my co-host, decided to stay behind in Las Vegas and have even more fun. So that's why she is not on us uh this episode but alex and paul thank you so much for joining us our resident horror game experts hi thanks for having me yeah i I was uh, super excited to hear it be on today i was like horror games yes (laughs) same same yeah i uh wore my ceremony i don't own a lot of orange um but i'm wearing one of the few orange pieces of clothing i had to try to get as much into the spooky spirit as i can alex paul are either of you big halloween decorators have you done anything around your places yet oh yeah Yeah. oh my goodness ask me about my boo boys what are your boo boys (laughs) i collect the handcrafted kind of like what you see in Coraline style or Tim Burton Mm. style. So I go to craft festivals every year and I collect, I call them boo boys. That's not their official name. That's just what I call them, but they range in scale. Some of them are really tiny and some of them are huge. I mean, hundreds of dollars worth. Um, and it is my job every year to find space to fit them into my house. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love that. What about you, Paul? Are you a Halloween decorator? So I am. Um, but like this Halloween, I just like I've, I've been so busy, like because I'm transitioning from college to like the real world. So I just did like <laughs> lighting in my room. I have like some orange lights. I have a this tiny little baby pumpkin. Um, just <laughs> love. love it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when I was younger, uh, my dad would come in and we do like cobwebs and like my mom loves to decorate like in the living room. It's like really nice and Halloweeny. So. Nice. My uh, apartment complex, strangely, is doing a scavenger hunt uh, where just randomly strewn about the complex are Halloween related items. And if you find them, you get free goodies. So uh, I guess that's, you know, a fun reason for the season. (laughs) What kind of goodies are we talking like? Ooh, here's your annual bag of candy corn. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I hope they're not. I admittedly haven't found any yet. That's what makes me really interested is like, are we hiding fake spiders? Like, how are we confused? This is not just random food people left out and actually things yeah. that are a part of the scavenger hunt. <laughs> oh, <Ew>. no. <laughs> yeah. Suspicious candy bag on the floor. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I was raised to look out for those and to avoid them. <laughs> Sam, don't you know that that could have razor blades in it? Mm hmm. Yes. I, as I have been told many times, <laughs> oh, well, we can keep the spooky spirits a going. Uh, Paul, I know you, you've recently joined triple point. So I know the answer to this question, but we've been doing the show long enough that my memory is failing me. And if I'm correct, Alex, this is also your first time on real time strategy. It is. <sighs> Love. Well, I'm excited that we can all be gathered for this occasion. Again, we're talking about horror games. So for our kind of get to know you warm up question, something kind of tangential, tangential to horror games. I wanted to ask you both if there was a scary, spooky, Halloweeny movie or show that you could adapt into a video game. What would it be? Alex, you look like you're ready to go. I'm ready. I'm so ready for this. Listen, I'm going to get some flack for this, but it is totally (laughs) Spooky Island, the Scooby-Doo movie from 2002. Oh, my God. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Here's what I (laughs) want. I want a Bethesda-style RPG where you can recruit, (laughs) like, the whole crew as your followers, right? And I want Spooky Island to be even, like, actual horror. I know it's kind of, like, kooky. It's scary as it is, right? But... I would love an added layer of horror to that, right? That's my dream. So people are like dying I, on this island. Like, like it's yeah, just like brutal. I want the oh, whole wow. nine yards. Yes. And I want to choose like, okay, to solve this puzzle, do I need to recruit Shaggy as my follower? Or Scooby <laughs> as my follower? Scooby. <laughs> Right? Like, who do I need? What member of the crew with their different strengths do I need to get off this island? That's my dream. Wow. That's a great answer. Not enough Scooby-Doo games out there. Yeah. Have you guys played Night of 100 Frights? But 
Oh, no. I did. That was a blockbuster rental classic. I love blockbuster (laughs) rental classics. Yeah, no, that's a good one, Alex. It's, it's, I think it might be the best Scooby Doo game. Maybe. All right, it's good. I'm going to have to pick it up. Yeah. What about you, Paul? Um, So mine already is a game. Um, and it's kind of also the answer to like, yeah. So, um, I, my favorite horror movie ever is Jaws. Um, and there's a Mm. horror game, a horror game. I actually, what would you, what classify it as? Kind of like very light RPG, more like open world action. I I don't know. Anyway, so Jaws Unleashed is a game that came out on PS2. Um, and then another game came out recently called Maneater, and it's kind of like inspired by Jaws Unleashed, but I wasn't the biggest fan of it because it was kind of more campy and like not as like serious. So I want to see another Jaws game um, with the Jaws license, the Jaws music. Um, I think that would be awesome. Uh, Unleashed was like a big part of my childhood because I, I had like this like fascination with Jaws because I was terrified of it, but at the same time I was like, sharks are cool. And you basically How do you feel Jaws about Unleashed. Megalodon? Megalodon, like the oh, I don't think I haven't. I haven't. A megalodon? You don't know what a megalodon is? Oh no! Oh, I was talking about the don't movie. Look it up. Like Meg? No, I'm no, talking about the dinosaur, oh. like the historical oh, shark. I love it. Don't look it up. Oh, okay. No, I know. Yeah, <laughs> oh, never mind. My, uh, we have a museum um, at my university, and they have like a—I don't know if it's like a real megalodon, like mouth, but they have like a replica of like how big it is, and it's scary. Um, but anyway, Jaws, Jaws Unleashed. So I want to see a remake of that game. I want to see it. Um, like I got the graphics. Like, I want to see like a, like a photorealistic shark. And there's this cool <laughs> feature in the game where like, if you're attacking somebody, like you keep tapping right trigger and you just like munch them and like their limbs are slowly dismembering and blood's going everywhere. <laughs> and like, I think a high definition version of that would be awesome because this game was on PS2, right? So it's not the most graphically impressive, but you're not just killing people. Like you're going around like, like, like destroying boats and like like um like houses that are on stilts on the water i think there's a, a level where you like break out of an aquarium like a sea world type thing so yeah i want to see a remake <laughs> of, of jaws unleashed i know it's not it's already out but um i think that'd be awesome i really Love like it. that alex i like you know i feel like jaws is everlasting i mean it's one of the best movies yeah. ever made but i i don't know how much the the license resonates these days so like if what we have to do to get a killer shark game is something tying into Jason Satham's The Meg. Um, I would be, I would be interested at the very I least. I would too. Sign me up. <laughs> but I like your pitch ball, especially with like the high definition graphics. Like I'm oh picturing God, so uh, Nether Realm bringing their like fatality. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like you see, you see like an X-ray of like the shark teeth like biting into someone's skin. Yeah, that'd be so good. <laughs> Oh, those are good answers. I love them. I was thinking um, it, it was not even because I, I, I there's strangely a, a polygon story about it today, although I was thinking about the movie just separately yesterday. Um, Prey, the Predator mm-hmm. prequel uh-huh. movie that came out last year. I think it would be really cool to get like an alien isolation style game, but like set in, I mean, I guess the universes are technically the same thing because of alien versus predator, yeah, kind, but yeah. like you're in the wilderness, you're being hunted by the predator. And the like the long running mission of the game is to equip enough tools so that you can face it off and, and beat the game. But like up until Ooh. that point, it's like a kind of cat and mouse chase uh right like think like far cry primal meets like alien isolation i don't know i think that'd be a really fun game yeah, yeah it sounds, I'd be sounds down. like the forest but like with the predator yes. like if they did like an expansion for the forest with predator that'd be sick yeah that sounds fun because you make a good point and, and we'll talk about it i'm sure there's a lot of um multiplayer takes on horror ip like there was mm-hmm. predator hunting grounds which which was pretty fun but that puts you a bit more of a leg up on the predator or at least like tries to level the playing field as much as possible in an asynchronous game like that uh but yeah like mixing it with the for like the, the scary feel like what happens at night in the forest i think it'd be really cool love that but that's a good appetizer intro into our main topic about horror games here so i want to start off with an easy question alex and paul what are your first memories or your or what was your introduction to horror gaming Alex, you want to start? Yeah. So I grew up on the Nancy Drew games. 
I don't know if you guys are familiar with those, right? But at the end of the day, every Nancy Drew game was a little spooky, if not scary, depending on your age, right? So my very first Nancy Drew game was called Ghost Dogs of Moon Lake. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds so cheesy now, but I have the most visceral memories of playing that game because it was terrifying. I mean, (laughs) the premise is exactly what it sounds like. You're trying to solve the mystery of this guy who passed away and on his property, he has these tombstones of four past dogs and they haunt the property. So it's scary. Like you're trapped in a cabin at one point, spoiler alert, I won't give away too much, but (laughs) at one point you're like trapped in this guy's cabin at night. And the dogs like rise from the dead and they start haunting the outside, like pounding on the doors and the windows and they're growling and it's, it's terrifying. You don't know if they're going to break in and if they're going to get to you. I, I think I was like six or seven years old and I was terrified. I was terrified to leave that cabin. I eventually did beat the game, but I swear it took me about a year or so because I could only play that game in doses. So Ghost Togs of Moon Lake, everybody, please go check it out. (laughs) Thank you for the recommendation. (laughs) So I can relate a lot. I can relate a lot to not beating a game or taking a long time to beat a game because I'm terrified. So as a little kid, I was like scared of things way more than I am now, Um, which is part of why I love like horror games nowadays because I'm like, I can do it. But um, so Resident Evil 4, like the original, was my first memory. It might not have been the first one I played, but like from memory, the first horror game I played. And I didn't make it past like the the first village you go to. Um, I was just terrified. It was too eerie for me. I remember walking into the cabin um, where the the guy is like has the axe and he tries to get Leon. And I just... After that, like I just dropped the controller and I stopped playing because I was so scared. Um, <laughs> but so I have like another experience with one of my favorite games ever that isn't a horror game, but it's like a one of my earliest memories with experiencing horror in games. I um, mean, it's just Fallout 3. I used to be terrified of the Feral Ghouls so much to where I just like mm. would quit. I would make it all the way to the subways and I would quit. And it, because like at the time that was like horror to me as a kid, it was just terrifying. Like these like melted people, like, and like chasing after you. And I don't know. So yeah, there's a, I, I mentioned two, but um, I had to mention Fallout 30 because it's just another example of a game. Like I just, ne- for the longest time, never beat because I was absolutely terrified of it as a kid. Yeah. I like both of those answers. Uh, I mean, Resident Evil 4, that is just a straight up horror game, but I mean, obviously one of the best games of all time. Um, oh my god fallout 3 and the nancy drew game are fun because yeah obviously like as as kids playing games i hope that you're not getting a whole lot of exposure to like (laughs) full-throated horror games um because like my answer is the same way as like i knew about horror games way longer before i ever played one i remember getting my hands on i want to say it was either game informer or egm's like top 200 games of all times issue of all time issue and like reading about like silent hill 2 and mm. just read reading about it as like a <laughs> eight nine ten year old or whatever was scary enough much less the idea of playing it um so it was years before i actually dabbled in the genre myself but i i like again your answers because it reminded me i i didn't think about when i played my first zelda game which was twilight princess on the wii how much I hated when the sun went down in that game because the Poe creatures would turn into these scary hands that would chase you around Hyrule Field. And I remember, like, I would just park my character somewhere safe and wait till the sun goes back up so I could keep playing. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Speaking of Fallout 3, believe it or not, Paul, I had a similar experience, but it was with a particular DLC. I don't know if you played all of the DLCs for Fallout 3, but for me, the one that I was terrified of was Point Lookout. Have you guys played Point Lookout? It takes you you to Maryland. I thought you were going to say Mothership Zeta. (laughs) No, aliens are fine with me. It's (laughs) truly, it's like the backwoods creatures and like disformed people 
It's dirty. It's dark. You don't know where you're going. You don't know when you're going to get attacked by either some creature or I hate to use the term hillbilly, but that's totally what it is, right? It's I think they don't they say it in game apocalyptic world. Yeah. Yeah, they so do use hillbilly in the game. Terrifying. I mean, terrifying. I was on edge every second of every moment I was playing that DLC, and I speed run it because I wanted to get the hell out of there. <laughs> That's funny. It's funny too because, like, even the plot for that DLC is kind of creepy. Like the whole like yeah, like the 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 brain part and like. The part where you eat like the fruit and you go on the drug trip and and you you start hallucinating <laughs> seeing like your dad and, and like the skeleton of your mom and I'm like that, yes. that I loved I think Point Lookout was a wonderful DLC but yeah it is absolutely scary. Um, wonderful is not the term. Wonderful is no. not the term. But hey, listen, <laughs> I do love you? <laughs> that expansion. I could talk about it for hours. But the reason oh why God. I brought Mothership Zeta was because I was terrified of aliens as a kid. Um, I used mm. to ask my parents about UFOs all the time and I'd be like, are they real? Are they real? <laughs> and um, so I, w- I, w- I wouldn't do Mothership Zeta because I was scared of being abducted by the aliens uh-huh. and getting probed. But it was kind of liberating <laughs> after a while, eventually playing that expansion because you just beat the shit out of a ton of aliens and blow up a ship. So Yeah. 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 So then, so Paul, y- you, it sounds like of the, of all of us, checked out horror games the earliest what compelled you to like pick up resident evil 4 do you remember um my dad was like my my um he's the one who basically like whatever i played was because he thought like oh that sounds cool i want to play it and then he'll buy it and then i would never touch it or he would never touch it and i'd be able to play it so um i remember i had like remember like the the books that people would have with like dvds or Mm -hmm. i guess video games like so i remember every day i would like flip through and find like a different game and i remember seeing resident evil i thought leon looked cool so i just plopped it in um (laughs) yeah i didn't really seek it out like i the only times i would seek out games was when i went to gamestop and did like the whole the good old trade-in used game thing which was like a lot more useful back then than it is now um but yeah i just remember being terrified of it i didn't realize it was like supposed to be a scary game until i actually mm-hmm. played it mm-hmm. so then alex what was your first like you know you look at the genre descriptor and it would say horror do you know what that answer would be Ooh, i think a lot of them were the nancy drew games because they are mm-hmm. marked as um i don't think it's explicitly horror but i think it was um something about jump scares or you know i, I don't remember the exact language but they were in the caution category, right? For not adult themes, but kind of teen themes, I suppose. I don't think they were rated M, though. I'd have to go back and see. But some other obscure ones I do remember, this one was also on PC, was the I Spy games. And mm. I say they're creepy because there was one that was focused completely around Halloween. So every, I, they're not maps, but it's just like every picture that you look at was Halloween themed. So the closer you stared at it, like the creepier things got, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I loved that because there wasn't a jump scare in it. But also, again, the longer you stare, the creepier it got. So it was another one of those hurry up and solve this so I can move to the next one and not stare at this creepy stuff anymore. Um, But going back to the Xbox 360 days, if I can, I think some of my favorite horror titles and i guess you can call these horror in a way because a lot of people are afraid of zombies but (laughs) i love them so my favorite franchises are the dying light and the dead Mm. island franchises i remember being yeah right i remember being terrified of some of the zombie variants in dead island there was one i believe he's called the butcher and he has yeah those um those stick arms you know, is that him right he has the yeah the prodders. he's in the jungle yeah. he's got like the, yes he's like baraka from mortal Kombat. he's terrifying yes he runs terrifying oh my god i remember not being able to progress to that area because <laughs> i was terrified of this dude <laughs> i remember at one point there's you know there's like that um i don't know if it's a shack but there's a building right there to the right of where you first encounter the butcher you know you know how mm-hmm. I, I see all these details right because i could still like see visceral it in my brain. horror memory <laughs> so visceral. 
I remember I was able to glitch underneath the steps that go up into that building, and I was able to kill him through the wooden slats because I couldn't face him face to face. I was terrified. <laughs> I was just screaming and swinging through the slats, and I was able to take him down with a melee <laughs> weapon. So... Yeah, I'm glad you, uh, I, I've not played the Dead Island games myself, but I did play Techland's uh, Dying Light, which you named, and yeah. what a great concept for a game. One, I, I I didn't even really think about putting together the, like, the materials for this episode, because, you know, the whole conceited open world parkour game, I think you're somewhere in South America, and, like, during the day, you're more able to freely explore the city, find resources, complete missions. But then at night, which sometimes just for narrative reasons, it forces you into that setting. The zombies are four times as powerful. They're faster, they're stronger, and it ratchets up like the tension and the pressure on, you know, nailing the parkour moves in order to get back to your safe house um, in one piece. And that's just like such a great idea of, of gamifying the whole like day night cycle and making it a horror game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dying Light does that really well too, right? Because you can choose if you want to quickly get back to your safe house or do you mm. want to be bold and explore a bit? It's high risk, high reward, right? So it's really up to the player what they want to do. Now, if you're following a quest line, well, you're stuck doing that quest line, right? You have to. But for some who just want to get higher rewards or they want to face interesting enemies, that's what you do at night. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I also think like to um, Dying Light, or Dying Light was a great evolution of Dead Island because I feel like it took like the, the, like the parkour aspect of things and they kind of added like the combat into it. Like I know... I, so I actually didn't play Dying Light, but I know like a lot about it. Um, I really want to mm-hmm. play the second one because I heard it's really good. But I know like Dead Island Two incorporated like a jump kick, and I, I think that's yes. in Dying Light as well. And it's it kind of it's kind of cool because it, it's like the parkour kind of aspect of it, where you like go horizontal and you like kick a zombie in the face and then go flying back into a crowd, and like the on the go crafting where you can like attach a bomb to that zombie and jump and do the jump kick and send them into the crowd and they all blow up and. Yeah, the whole day-night cycle too, Sam, I totally agree because like these zombie games, the, the the loot is like the big thing and getting the coolest, like most of like hilarious weapons to like row down like hordes of zombies. But um, I, I remember the island specifically, like the electric machete. My dad had, yes. we had a machete in like the garage and I was like, <laughs> I want to put it, I want to attach a battery to this and go chop wood, like an electric machete. But yeah, I, I love those <laughs> games. They're just like fascinating. Um, and zombie games are like when I was a kid were as scary as they were like so interesting and fun. Like I could talk about Call of Duty zombies for a while. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I didn't even think about zombies. And and that can get scary. Um yeah. especially I feel like uh, yeah. the earlier iterations of it. Oh yes, yeah. the originals for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of memories of like sleepovers in friends' basements and yeah. you know, <laughs> yelling at who's boarding up what window and oh my gosh we forgot about this one area and they're all coming from there that it was fun about horror gaming and i mean horror movies are the same way but um just the diversification of of how the genre has gone out like you know the Mm -hmm. multiplayer you know options like call of duty zombies are now dead by daylight which is super popular and allows you to play as a bunch of famous slashers uh you know one person playing as a famous slasher meanwhile everyone else is trying to uh escape the camp on their own uh or you know that's kind of the most famous example of the 4v1 asynchronous uh horror games i think we're seeing here maybe the Oh gosh, it's too scary, B-roll. Um, but yeah, it's the, it's the Nick Cage update, which again, that yeah, that game has really been on top of how to merge the horror movies with the horror games. But uh, you have like Friday the Thirteenth did it as well. There was mm-hmm. an Evil Dead game last year. I know the cha- yep. a Texas Chainsaw Massacre game this year was was pretty well received. Uh, and then, of course, yeah, there's like open world stuff like Dying Light and there's really strictly narrative driven or really underpowered experiences like the first real horror game I, I would say I played and I, I say played lightly was Outlast. Um, yes, Sam. I yes. Love Outlast. So love Outlast. So freaking scary. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Oh, I was just gonna say it was free on PS Plus. Like I, and that was I don't think I ever would have gotten myself to buy it with my own money, but um, I remember it going viral on YouTube and wanting to try it out. And and sure enough, like I got a bunch of friends over and we did the equivalent of a scary movie night just with this game. And so we took turns after each death, like just passing off the controller. Or when there was a really tense experience with like one of the monsters chasing you around the asylum, I would hand the controller off to my buddy who was a lot stronger than me. Uh, but you both have played this game as well. Yes, yes. Go ahead, Paul. I think I think you uh, yeah, you've been eating I, your way yeah, to so say something. Yeah, so I I love <laughs> Outlast. I'm, I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna mention Outlast Trials was also one of those like I think one mm, of those multiplayer yes. examples. Um, I think Outlast is like a perfect example of a horror game because it takes like the the helplessness in the gameplay mechanics. You can't fight back. If you don't fight back, you hide. Um, and I think that's what's so terrifying about it. All you have is your camera. And it, it, you know, like, like what we're seeing right now, you're just zooming in on, on like limbs on tables and stuff. And guys, like this, I remember specifically when you first pull up to the asylum, there's like military, like some guy like on a spear because the big pig guy, Chris, yeah. like put him on a spear and he's like, you got to get out of here. And then you're like, next objective is to leave. And then you're stuck there for the whole game. Um, but yeah, I, I adore Outlast. It, as like a young adult, like a teenager, that was like the first horror experience that I embraced. Um, yeah, it was great. I had a similar experience also as a as a young teen because for me, I played Amnesia, The Dark Descent mm. first, and then I played mm. Outlast. And Paul, you bring up a good point about this certain genre of horror games, right? Because there's, I don't want to call them modern, but there's the action-based horror games, I'll call them, right? Where you have a gun, you have a weapon, and you can fight back. Um, however, there's also this sub-genre where it's all about stealth, and you don't have the option to fight back. And in reality, I think these types of games are the scarier of the two, because they take away your option, right? So Amnesia, Outlast, and even um, if you guys played Slender, the Eight Pages, that's oh, kind of I an obscure it. one, right? Yeah. But it's all about you have an objective, and it's either escape or get away, and you are not allowed to fight back. And I think that's what makes it all the more scarier, because you never know when the next thing's going to be around the corner, and your only option is to get away and hide. Yeah. Oh man, I like you said, Paul the. The tension building and kind of, uh, you know, world setting of Outlast of, of you're going into the asylum, you're seeing that like, oh, clearly things are not all right here. And then all of a sudden it's like you're locked in there and the whole the battery hunting mechanic where, oh you know, not only are you just powerless, period, but your only tool in this place is your camera which gives you some degree of night vision when you're you know wandering this very very dark asylum and you see here in the b-roll like the the camera icon in the top right will tick down the longer you use it and oftentimes you have to go into the scariest spots oh my god jesus (laughs) yeah oh my god i can't believe the trailer just got me <laughs> this is so much like random trivia about last like the main character he's a journalist right and and like i love the idea of having the camcorder like knowing like once you get out you're going to show the world what you found um his name is miles upshore and i remember i was like fascinated with the game it means miles upshore like your miles upshore stuck right so you're oh. stuck in the asylum oh and I, yeah i know isn't that crazy and okay and then the la- last thing about last because i can keep going the dlc <laughs> did you guys play it i played um, two whistleblower. Of the DLC. it's called whistleblower the yes i dabbled but i didn't complete okay. it so what i love about the dlc is at the beginning of um outlast I, i'm i believe you're reading an email um and it's from someone who is whistleblowing what's happening in um is it mount massive asylum i can't remember what it's called but in I the think asylum that's right you play as that person in the, the, the DLC. So the yeah. DLC is a prequel, but then it goes on past the ending of Outlast. And I won't spoil oh, what happens, cool. but you, as you guys both know what happens. And then you can see what, like more context to that ending. And it's, it's just so good. And I think it has one of the most memorable villains in Outlast. It's this, um, I think they call him the groom. And he's like, he's basically like looking for someone to marry, but 
um, you're a man in that game and he wants to marry a woman. So one of the, like the most horrifying aspects of that is him trying to brutally mutilate your genitals to make you a woman. And there's a whole scene about it. It's just it's grotesque and it's violent and scary. But it's oh. and you're oh my god. There's like a, a section where you're limping away because you've been hurt by him, and it's like oh my god, it's terrifying and it's so good. You should play, you guys should play the expansion <laughs> like, as like a good. It's, I think it's short, so it, it's worth like a nice October spooky gameplay. Oh, Adding man. it to my list. Yeah. <laughs> so that brings me to one of the things I wanted to talk about, Paul, is I know every October you try to work through a couple of horror games. Um, are there certain ones you revisit? Do you try to play new ones every year? What's on the docket for this year? So um, I, I've been trying to do a revisit, but as I'm getting older, I have like less and less time. So I try to play newer games. My, one of my close friends replays Undead Nightmare from Red Dead Redemption every year, um, which is a fantastic expansion. Um, for me, I'm playing... I. Last year, I did Silent Hill 2 and 3 during October, so I'm doing Silent Hill 4. I skipped 1 because, like, it's too old for me, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I, I hate to say, but 2 was, like, on the cusp. Um, so Silent Hill 4, this I'm considering this a horror game, or at least a spooky game, but Lies of P I'm playing right now. It's got, oh, like, the spooky yeah. vibes. It's like horror Pinocchio, and it's awesome. Um, so Lies of P, uh, Silent Hill 4, and I need to stop adding games because I'm not going to beat them all, but also <laughs> Soma. Um, which is like mm. a fantastic organ that uh, when I was younger, I played like 25% of, but I'm going to restart. Um, oh man, Sam, I've, there was like another that I had on the list. I know I put it in the triple point um, slack, but those are the ones that come to mind. Definitely Silent Hill 4 because like I love Silent Hill. I'm so excited for the remake. The music in Silent Hill is like, oh, it's so good. Yeah. Oh, Alex, what about you? Do you have any horror games on your plate this year? Are there certain ones you like to revisit? I do. I have a backlog. My first one up is the Dead Space remake. I'm late. I know. Um, I have it purchased, just haven't gotten around to diving in yet. So that's one I want to play. Um, Have you guys played Scorn? Do you remember Scorn at all? Oh, it's, that's familiar. Is that the Prome- Prometheus kind of like H.R. Yes. Geiger looking sci-fi horror yes. game? Oh, yes. looks very scary. And it's a puzzler, believe it or mm. not. So it's very, very interesting. It's the very, I don't think gore is the word, but it's odd. It's like the walls are made of human parts and it's... Oh. It's interesting. Check it out. That is something I need to revisit. I got like maybe 15, 20% of the way through, and then I had to take a break just because of my other backlog of games. So I want to revisit that. And then also Little Nightmares 2. I don't know if you guys played the first Little Nightmares. I adore Mm -hmm. it. That's one that I can easily go back and replay because I find it very enjoyable. But they came out with the second one. I started it, never finished it. So I would like to go back and start from the very beginning and do a clean run through. Is that one co-op? Sound or not sound? Um, little Nightmares too. Um, I think it might be because that's when they introduce the little boy character yeah. that you could play as. So I think yeah. it is. Yeah, I we'll played a little co-op, bit of Paul. Yeah, <laughs> I played a little bit of the first one and I loved it. It reminded me of Limbo, because um, like the yes. side scrolling kind of. But it was like, I loved being the tiny person with all the big people. It, it, it adds to that layer because you can't fight back, right? Kind of like what we were talking exactly. about. Exactly. I think I have a theme. And hiding. I think I've uncovered this theme through this yeah. podcast, Sam. I think my favorite yeah. subgenre is definitely the games where I can't fight back, except for the zombie games, because obviously you fight back. That's your. That's like the, your moment where you can just beat the shit out of anything that terrifies you. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's Power my fantasy. revenge moment. Yeah, that's yeah. that's my revenge moment. <laughs> that's uh, little nightmares. I always creep me out. It, it's like a, a weird bit of like uh, childhood uh, fears that still resonate. Of like, it reminds me of Tim Burton, like Corpse Bride, mm-hmm. Coraline, yeah. like that toyetic kind of like it's cute but still creepy, and and mm-hmm. the creepy wins out in my mind. Uh, but I know I, I like you said, Paul. Limbo's a good shout. That's another game I like. Wouldn't necessarily consider horror, but the spider yeah. monster that chases you throughout that game is really freaking scary. Uh, yeah. As is their follow up game, which I like even more. Inside, which is a kind of like sci fi horror. Uh, like, oh, those are I, and they're short too. Those are like good games for revisiting every Halloween. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Now we've talked a lot about a lot of examples. Some of our like, you know, memories that have come to mind. Have either of you said what your favorite horror game is? Do you have a favorite? Ooh, I do. Yeah, um, I think. Go ahead, Paul, because I think I'm between two. <laughs> okay, so oh, I I I am too, but one of them wins out because of gameplay. So I mentioned Resident Evil Four. Um, the original Resident Evil Four is easily my favorite horror game. Um, I love the setting, and I feel like it's like in my favorite era of gaming, like PS2. Everything about it is just like perfect. Um, it, oh man, okay, where do I start with this game? I, I feel like every <laughs> section of the game is unique and distinct. Um, like you have like the village, the castle, and then like I believe it's the mines, and then the island. And I love I love how the remake did everything, but something about the original is just I think people complain a lot about the controls and. This kind of goes back to being helpless, but I feel like games where you can fight back, but the control scheme is like janky and wonky. Maybe it's me making an excuse for some of my favorite games. I feel as if it adds to the horror aspect because you're it's unfamiliar and things that are unfamiliar are scary. So um, my other favorite horror game is Silent Hill 2. And I feel like the gameplay is super jank and like dated, but it's also terrifying being stuck to tank controls where um, the camera's fixed and you can only move like certain directions and you have to turn to attack and your attack is just one overhead hit with a with a wooden stick the when game developers use like janky controls to sort of add like this layer of helplessness and fear um it's also really rewarding when you do learn the control schemes and you master them um that was my favorite thing in re4 was like eventually i just got really good at headshotting enemies i mean it took a while because at first i was just getting attacked by everything and i couldn't hit any shots but i believe in the in the original re4 you have to stand still to shoot um and that was like the big thing and like it turned into a shooting gallery once you hold the left trigger and you you aim like the laser um and I, i feel like i haven't seen many games do that and it added to like the horror aspect of it. So definitely original Resident Evil 4. That's a good point. I never really thought can made that correlation between because I always just associate it with like a, you know, a time and place kind of thing of hardware technological limitations, which maybe that was a part of it. But you're right mm-hmm. that in a way the tank controls of RE1 and 2 or and you're in your right, you like have to stand and shoot in RE4. Like that does mm-hmm. add to the horror and the challenge and the tension of it all. Mm-hmm. Alex, what games are you between and what came out the victor? I think I've decided. I think it is the original Dying Light. And Mm. I know I'm biased towards the zombies because I love zombie games. But I do feel like in Dying Light, there's, there's these different elements, right? Yes, there are zombie enemies, and you see this in Dying Light 2 as well, but there's also human enemies, right? Like, that's the whole premise of stay human for the second one. Um, But for the first one in particular, it's dark. It's scary in a way that, like you mentioned, Paul, there's this layer of uncertainty because you don't know what's happening with the rest of the world. In Dying Light 1, you're very much isolated. You don't know, yes, we're searching for a cure, but we don't know if the rest of the world is alive outside of Huron, which is where the first game is based. So there's this sense of I'm fighting for a cure and I'm fighting to help others, but I don't know how many others are even left. So you're kind of battling with this, um, I don't want to call it an inner demon, but you're basically coming to terms with humanity may not even be there. You may be the last one standing. So all you have left are the few survivors and these creatures, because they're not just zombies, right? There's mutated versions of them. And a lot of them are, um, powerful or sneaky in certain ways like for example those who played the original dying light will remember there's this baby it's a it's a toddler version of a zombie and oh gosh first of all yes that's hard to come to terms with right but it's whole i don't want to call it a gimmick but it really is a gimmick its whole gimmick is it cries like a baby so you want to go help it because you think it's a child. And then when you open the door, it lets out this awful scream, like a banshee almost. And it summons all the other zombies around it to assault you. And so it kind of 
betrays your sense of of trust or your maternal or paternal instinct of you're like it's a child i need to help it and in reality it's this deformed creature and it was a child at one point right so um I don't know. I think it is dying light for me, but it was originally between the first one and the second one <laughs> of the two. <laughs> yeah, I played the first one. I'm going to have to check out the second one because I know they got even more ambitious on the story. And like Paul said, like some of the action move sets, um, it, it's a fun mix of like the action horror and the more like helpless horror. I get a little bit of yes. both. Yeah, there's a nice mix of both. And I do think in a way, like we talked about earlier, it's a way to um, go on some of those power trips, right? In the best way of, hey, I can fight back in this game. Um, It's just a matter of what enemies are you facing? And are you in the day or the night? Because if you're in the night cycle, you better buckle up. Yeah. Um, On that note, kind of like another game that walks the line between helpless while also giving you power. My my favorite horror game is the Resident Evil 2 remake. Um, Of course, that may change when I play the Resident Evil 4 remake. Uh, The the original RE4 is a blind spot for me. And I uh, didn't even play the original RE2. So, you know, take that as you will. Like, I think it's a good... I hadn't even played any other Resident Evil games up to that point. So I think it's a good starting point for anyone. It's scary it's well paced um and what i like about it is a the first half of the game is really well done from a level design perspective because it has a bit of metroidvania aspects and that you're locked in the police station that is strangely designed like a medieval castle (laughs) in that there are like (laughs) strange statues that unlock hidden passageways and you know certain doors that can only be unlocked with certain keys um but you get to really know the police station really well um you probably spend the first four hours of the game there and then i think the whole thing's ultimately like about nine um but of course about an hour or two into the police station just when you're starting to feel like you get your bearings you've probably have uh, like two to three weapons by then you're not as helpless as you were when you started the game they introduce mr x who is this towering unstoppable beast-like man who just almost more scary he doesn't run at you he just fastly stomps at you (laughs) or quickly stomps at you and you can hear his steps echoing throughout the station so as you're closer to him in the precinct, you know that like, oh shoot, I gotta get to the other side of this place right now. Um, and yeah, so again, like it walks that line nicely of like as you unlock the flamethrower and, uh, and the shotgun and more weapons, you feel more equipped to deal with the zombies. But then whenever they introduce Mr. X or some of the other bosses later in the game, the power dynamic switches back and you're helpless and have to, you know, either through pro- uh, puzzle solving or you know, fast traversal, find a way out of there. Oh, hmm. Good game. Paul, have you played it? You hmm. looked like you had. Yeah, I, I love that game. It's my second favorite um, Resident Evil game um, for literally every reason you listed. Um, I absolutely adore the level design in that game and um, most Resident Evil games, especially more of the modern ones, because like you said, they are Metroidvania-like. And, and like the most obscure puzzles, like you like find a pearl in a pendant and you put it in a, a slot on a statue and suddenly like a whole staircase opens up and <laughs> and there's a like there's a umbrella corporation logo on there and you're like you know what i mean <laughs> it's so good um <laughs> yeah like re8 was like that um sometimes uh the setting and like the location and how like the levels are designed add so much to survival horror and like the or, horror but like survival horror specifically and like the imagination that comes with it um, like to the point where sometimes I'll be in real life spaces and I'll be thinking about like, what if this was like a survival horror game? Like my buddy has, like, <laughs> Sam, Sam, I believe I told you about this. Uh, uh, we're, we're doing a Halloween party and my buddy lives out in like yes. middle of nowhere, but his house is kind of like a castle. And um, during Halloween, I'm like, it's like Resident Evil in here. Like he's got stained glass like up in his living room. Like it's crazy. But yeah, I don't know. I love setting and I love um, when the level design is just superb in horror games. So we've talked a lot, and and you mentioned Resident Evil Eight, Paul, which transitions into a question I want to ask you all. You, you know, we talked a lot about our favorite games we played, memories that come to mind when we think of horror games. But bizarrely, or, or maybe not so bizarrely, 
horror games, unlike others, I feel like you can get a lot of with or enjoy a lot about them without ever having played them. They're fun mm-hmm. to watch your friends play in the same room, uh, to watch something like I just did like 20 minutes ago where I freaked out at an Outlast trailer Um, (laughs) or uh, watch people online do it or even, you know, take part in the world building or the character design um, from the marketing. So I I was curious, like just kind of from a PR perspective, if there were any games in the lead up to launch, whether you ended up playing them or not, that you felt like horror games specifically really effectively caught your attention the reason I brought up Resident Evil 8 as a transition, what Paul said, is like the the Lady Dimitrescu uh, character, that's one angle you can take with your horror game is like, do you have a creature or a monster or a character that is really, I mean, now I would say iconic in the case of her, like all the memes of like step on me, scary lady. And <laughs> like they really leaned into that and there were feature stories and, you know, the voice actress got, you know, got to talk a lot about the making of the game. So that was one example that came to mind for me. I didn't know if there were any for either of you. Yeah, I, think I definitely have one. VR in general. Mm. Sorry, Paul. I think, I think VR no, in no, general okay. is, um, a great way to go and i i blanket that because almost every vr horror game is able to be enjoyed even if you are not an active participant right so even if your friend is casting it to the tv or you're watching your favorite streamer play it um for me i love watching the highlight reels that creators put on tiktok accounts of scariest moments funniest moments right where um it's something that can be enjoyed no matter if you're actively playing the game or just enjoying from the far. So um, funny enough, I can't think of one exact title where I'm like, yes, uh, this was the particular game. It's just VR as a whole is what comes to mind for me. Um, Although I will say um, one game I enjoyed playing, both watching and participating with friends IRL was one of those exorcist games i'm gonna have to look at the title because i don't remember for the life of me i have it for my quest um but it was one of the exorcism games and that is terrifying i don't know if you guys have played vr and horror uh, horror vr before but that adds truly another layer to the experience so it's one thing to watch on a 2d screen but it's another when you are in it right we use the word immersive a lot i know that's overused but that is what fits the bill here immersive vr does something else to your brain some people love it some people hate it some people just want to spectate but (laughs) i think when it comes to a marketing standpoint the scarier your game especially in vr the easier it is to create content around it and build hype so Go ahead, Paul. I cut you off on the beginning of this. I'm sorry. No, that's okay because your answer is like way more thoughtful on the PR side of things. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like way more because my answer is Five Nights at Freddy's, Um, specifically Security Breach, because I remember when that trailer trailer dropped, I believe it was during a PlayStation showcase. Um, And I I thought it was like the coolest thing in the world because for the longest time, Five Nights at Freddy's games are just these stationary games where you're sitting in front of a computer and there's like, and you have like the cameras and you're switching between, uh, which also is kind of like what we we're talking about with the helplessness with a little bit of power because you can close the doors, right? But once the once the battery runs out, then the doors open up and you're dead because Freddy chews your head off. But I remember Security Breach specifically because it was the first like Five Nights at Freddy's games that was like open world. And it was a survival horror game, which is like one of my favorite genres. And I also love Five Nights at Freddy's. So the fact that um they were doing that and like they were showing off finds of freddy's like in like what you're seeing now the pizza plex they really lean into like the 80s kind of like chuck e cheese like the, <laughs> like the weird aesthetic um and i feel like a lot of the marketing was sort of um the 80s kind of aspect this one specifically is more kind of like horror-ish but recently like they did an expansion they really lean into the branding of like the 80s um the the uh like the pizza plex sort of like aesthetic and vibe um that you would get like at a chuck e cheese and i know they're doing the movie soon um and they're also leaning into that branding and i just i i i really love that branding in that era of um children's entertainment so turning that into like horror which is like a kind of like a trend online nowadays 
Um, so I thought that was like genius marketing to jump on that trend and that brand and turn like this, it, this pizza place, but like an evolution of that, almost like this, like this Disney world, like huge, massive pizza plex um, and brand it like brand it like it's a real thing and then ship it as a video game. I thought that was awesome. Mm. I, I just remembered one thing. I'm so sorry, Sam. This bridges back to literally the very first point we did at the beginning of this. But, Paul, have you seen Willy's Wonderland with Nick Cage? No. Oh, you better. Yes, Sam. <laughs> Paul, you need, you need to watch it. Speaking of films that we would love to see turn into video games or even vice versa. I know Nick Cage is now in Dead by Daylight as a, as a character, but what a fantastic opportunity to have Nick Cage star in the next iteration of Five Nights at Freddy's, given how closely related. It's the exact same. I'll just give you a quick rundown, Paul. It's It stars Nick Cage, and mm -hmm. he fights animatronics from like <laughs> this Chuck E. Cheese of the 80s and they're vicious what? just like Five Nights at Freddy's but oh, the hilarious good. thing is that Nick Cage doesn't say one word the entire movie <laughs> he's a video game protagonist so come to think of it I'm like that would be the perfect crossover event now that Nick Cage yeah. is officially in Dead by Daylight listen Nick Cage if you're watching this if you're listening to this you need to go to Five Nights at Freddy's next I would pay big <laughs> big bucks that anyway i've derailed this conversation i'll shut up now <laughs> no that, that ties into a point i was going to make about like unlike you know because shooters call of duty sure takes a lot of inspiration from like action movies or war movies but there's not as much like one-to-one -one visual elements or iconographies that you can rob that you can like tie right back into like oh that's a michael bay movie or oh that's a that's a michael mann film whereas horror just because of the way it causes reactions and uh, emotional uh things to burn into our brains it's a lot easier for i think games to call upon that either directly through like licensing or indirectly with like you know paul mentioning like the 80s was such a a vibrant time for horror movies with like mm -hmm. nightmare on elm street and even now you see it referenced in stranger things so i think it was like really clever of five nights at freddy's to like lean into the whole like mall neon lit uh yeah kind of aesthetic that was really you know everywhere when stranger things season three was coming out you know now leaning into directly into the licensing like you said alex with the nick cage or freddy krueger characters in that game or even it can be like the influences of it like you mentioned the dead space remake that's obviously so reminiscent of alien um but it also has a bit of like uh john you know john carpenter kind of you know the thing-esque practical horror one recent example so i I'm, I'm going on like on the a huge like every thought on the top of my head roll here but one recent example that got me really excited for a horror game which does look almost too scary maybe will ward me off for other reasons but alan wake 2 from remedy that studio, which made Control in 2019, Max Payne, has obviously really mm. made a really big name for themselves with their narratives and fusing that with gameplay. And they've been very vocal in the rollout for Alan Wake 2, which comes out in just a couple of weeks when this episode releases, uh, is that it's A, their first survival horror game, whereas the first one leaned much more into like an kind of adventure territory so that has me excited because that you know relates it a bit closer to you know the resident evil games that we love but they also have referenced on and on again the movies and tv shows that inspired the tone and setting naming like david fincher movies like zodiac and seven true detective season one with like the occult supernatural stuff in there that jump scare did not get me that time very proud of myself um <laughs> <laughs> But I think whether it's directly with licensing or indirectly borrowing the visuals that we associate with the scariest movies, I think that's a good way to get people interested in your game as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. I mean, fear comes in different layers, not to inadvertently just make a pun about layers of fear, the video <laughs> game. But I did. Oops. 
Um, but yeah, there's these different layers, right, Sam? It's like, okay, visually, of course, right? That's the easy one for us. But going back to my dying light example, it's also sound, right? What is going on around you? Um, and in marketing materials, a lot of trailers can really lean into what the viewer is hearing, not just seeing, to evoke that sense of, um, to put it lightly, the heebie-jeebies, right? Or the, oof, I would never play that because it's too scary. Um, so there's a lot of different routes marketing can go, I feel, outside of just your standard static assets, right? Um, not shitting on static assets, but... Um, <laughs> I think visually it's great, but if you add those layers, which audio being the next best one, right? I feel like that's really going to sell an audience, especially in this digital world that we're in. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of assets, kind of, I mean, if I had to make any one last point in this episode, I'd be remiss if we didn't bring up PT or the playable teaser for Silent Hills. Um, which I'm going to reference a link from GameSpot just to confirm I get the year right. I believe this was 2014. It was, yes, it was 2014 Gamescom. It was the PlayStation conference back when PlayStation did um, Gamescom press conferences. And in the middle of them touting probably what, at that time, like Uncharted 4 and uh, Horizon Zero Dawn and The Order 1886, there's this like 40-second teaser, which we're watching right now, beautiful... Well, I don't know about beautiful, but very realistic looking graphics, very evocative, but very little details. And from a studio that I had never heard before, which we would later learn was fake, but they they called it uh, 7,780 Studio. Um, and the end of this trailer is a bunch of real life people, again, tying back into Alex's point of like the content creators and showing people's reaction to something really scary. Uh yeah, we're watching it right now. Like, <laughs> before this kind of trend was very overdone, watching people just react to something really scary and thinking like, okay, especially when your game is free, I got to download this thing and figure out what's got everybody so scared. Uh, and then, of course, it ended up being a teaser for an even bigger game called Silent Hills, which unfortunately did not come out. But um, did either of you check out this game? Do you remember the rollout for it? This is, I think, is... One of the most genius strokes of marketing, of course, coming from Kojima. No surprise there. I missed this, Sam. How in the world oh, wow. did I completely miss this? Yes. So now I need to play catch up. What year did you say this was? So this was 2014. This would have been hmm. right before. So like Kojima was still working on Metal Gear Solid 5, which of course, that was another game he announced with a fake studio and he just called it The Phantom Pain. And then people on the internet yeah. figured out it was actually Metal Gear Solid 5. So he did the same thing here. This like, it was called PT, the first playable teaser. Nobody knew what it was a teaser for. And through internet sleuthing and a lot of collaboration on the internet, people figured out how to beat the game more or less it's only about an hour but you can get stuck it's a, a looping hallway and you have to mm. interact with objects in the house in a certain way to make it change and eventually you unlock the front door and you walk out and it plays this trailer uh, where norman reedus from the walking dead comes out and you find out he's going to be the star of a game called Silent Hills. It also ends with like from Kideo Kojima and Guillermo del Toro. It was just like an incredible series of like, what can make this more exciting than all of these events playing out in a row? We're watching the uh, the trailer here. Paul, were you tuned into this this whole, you know, conspiracy that proved true? So I, I was like, I was on the tail end, so I kind of caught everything as it happened. I wasn't like a part of like the whole the sleuthing in the process, but it's like one of the most notorious and fascinating like um, horror stories within video games, especially because um, you can't, I don't think you can play PT anymore. I think PT PlayStation 4s go like for a crap ton of money on eBay, um, but you can't download it. Uh, you could probably find it online if you wanted to pirate it, but like it's... It, it is like one of the most um, notorious stories. And I was like fascinated with like the whole thing for such a long time. And that's sort of also what pushed me to try Silent Hill. 
like originally because I'd never played it like growing up and that made me fall in love with the series. Yeah, wow. it's a shame when Kojima had his falling out with uh, Konami after the the release of Phantom Pain, um, the game more or less got canceled uh, and then the PT got pulled from store shelves exactly like Paul said. So yeah, it, it I think the PS, like I I still have my PS4 with it with PT downloaded Don't on get it. Rid of it. And partly because <laughs> I'm like so fond of the demo i have like this memory of a bunch of friends us like staying up all night trying to crack it and we we can never follow the exact series of events to to beat the game um but i, I sometimes do look at the ebay prices like mm, maybe maybe i do want like two grand for selling my ps4 <laughs> with the with pt downloaded on it wow Ugh. any, any other examples or like fun uh, horror game rollouts that come to mind for either of you? Hmm. <laughs> Not for me exactly, because again, my mind keeps going to VR, and I wish I could point to exact ones, but like I had mentioned earlier, it's a case where there are so many, and they're great examples, right? It's just there are so many of them now where content creators have really cornered the market in the best way as far as understanding um, how to get new viewers and even from a PR standpoint, similar, right? Where if you showcase that most uh, scary moment, right? Or funny moment that people can experience within a horror game that does wonders. So for me, insert VR game here is my answer. <laughs> no, that, that's great. I mean, I remember my mom uh, when we brought home a PSVR. Her playing like the shark, the Shark Tank experience on PSVR. I think it's called the Deep. Yeah. It's part of like PSVR Worlds. Watching like well, a just her playing it was like oh I get it, and all of us watching it would be like oh we get it. Um, content creators are the same way. What were you gonna say, Paul? Yeah, this isn't really. I wouldn't say this is necessarily like a perfect example of marketing, um, but like one memorable rollout for me, and it's because I was involved in the community a little bit. Was the Friday the Thirteenth game, because mm. it started out as not licensed Friday the Thirteenth. It was just like one of those multiplayer slasher, um, like one v five or whatever. However many people, um, and then the story is that the I think the um the the head of the uh, gun or Elphonic, I don't remember which one was the developer and which is the publisher, um, got in touch with the director of Friday the thirteenth and like they acquired the license just by being massive fans of the series, like having a deep admiration for it. And I think they ended up back getting like a million dollars backed on Kickstarter um to to launch the game. And I remember like the trailer coming out and it was like it goes back to like what I was talking about with like Friday or not with for, uh, five nights at freddy's but like the 80s kind of like aesthetic they leaned into it with a trailer and um and like yeah it was just like a really memorable time for um a horror game that even though i had a really rocky and and sad end um it was it was a, a good experience and awesome to be a part of the community at the time during that launch yeah i love that example and it's a good case of again like bring back to this point we've we've circled around about when you can lean into and utilize horror film and, and horror iconography mm -hmm. to your advantage. Like if you can get the blessing from like, uh, you know, a director or a creator or just a, you know, a creative who's really valued in that space. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if Stephen King has ever like really dabbled much in gaming, but if like Stephen King put his green stamp on a video game, that would get me interested. Or, I mean, that's exactly yeah. the case with uh, Dead Space. Like, I know John Carpenter's a huge fan of that game. And he's often just giving that yeah. game free press, being like, yeah, I'm playing Dead Space. <laughs> yeah, yeah I too would play a game from Stephen King. Holy, could you imagine it? Oh, oh my God. God. I, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> um, Friday the 13th was cool, too. They had Kane Hodder, the... I don't remember which uh, Jason he played, but he's like this towering dude and he like did the mocap for the game. So they had that like lean into the license and I imagine a lot of fans of the series um, found it and helped kickstart it. So yeah, like when you can lean into something that already exists and sort of tap into that theming for your game and blend it with horror, which in my opinion, I feel like horror gaming is like ultimately more scarier than a horror movie because you are that person. You're in the shoes. Um, I think it's like, an awesome kind of thing that I feel like you see more in horror, the video game horror genre than anything. Yeah. That's a good point. I like that about, um, 
the just the interactivity being i think more long lasting uh for horror games than a lot of horror movies which tend to I mean, I hate to say it, but sometimes be a little bit disposable, especially when they're mostly just built up on jump scares and not a whole lot of story. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so on that note, much uh, like, well, unlike horror movies, which often don't end very well, we're going to end this episode strongly on that note from Paul. Uh, so <laughs> Alex and Paul, thank you so much for joining us. This has been really fun. Hope everybody listening got some great and fun horror recommendations out of it. Uh, Alex, where can the people find you if they want to follow you outside of the show? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, which is technically X, whatever the hell you want to call it. <laughs> um, Blue Sky or Instagram. All of them should be at Odd Life Alex. It's like Half Life Alex, the VR <laughs> game. My, I'm Alex with a Y. So listen, it's Odd Life Alex. Find me there. Yeah. <laughs> Love. What about um, you, Paul? You can, you can find me on um, Twitter. <laughs> Uh, another animal is in here um at copy kitten k-o-p-i kitten it's a long story um and then on twitter or on instagram it's my name paul dot lom um on, i'm more active on twitter in terms of gaming stuff and i tweet about everything i enjoy so if, if you want to follow me there that'd be awesome love you can find me everywhere at Sam Scott Mosier. Follow the show at Real Time Strats on Twitter and YouTube. Email us questions. What's your favorite horror game? What games did we not bring up that we should have? Would love to hear it. Email us that or tweet it again at Real Time Strats or email at podcast at triplepointpr.com. Uh, but in the meantime, I hope everybody has a very lovely, spooky season. And thank you all so much for listening.